Welcome everybody to another episode of Super Fast Income. Today with me, Jason James, UK public speaking champion, seven times award-winning international speaker, entrepreneur, awarded CEO, and sought-after business mentor. Welcome, Jason, to the show. How are you, my friend? Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you for a lovely welcome. Have you been speaking to my mum about how wonderful I am? <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. We love you. I <laughs> <laughs> love you too. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So today, I want to speak with you about sales. First of yes. all, because you are incredible in selling ideas, things, everything, not just for you, but also for other people. And I love the way you sell because as often you say, people don't like to be sold, but they like to buy. Yeah. And I think the way you sell is very classy. It's like people love to buy from you. And because sales is the engine of any business, I think this is a very important topic to share with our audience. Yes. So how did you get into sales in the first place? To be honest, I think we're all born salespeople, right? You think about it. Everything's a sale. Like when you're a child and you, you first start to learn how to, to meet your needs, you know, everything's a sale. You know, and in fact, I'll go a step further. As a baby, you cry to sell your parents on giving you food. <laughs> we're natural born salespeople. And what I mean by that is... Okay, let's put it more into more context with adult life. Every single day, Christian, and you know this because you know you're you're, you're very well versed in this in, in your industry and what you do. People sell themselves on not doing something every single day. They're very good at closing themselves on why I shouldn't start a business, why I shouldn't go for the, the that job promotion, why I shouldn't go uh, book that trip, why I shouldn't do. They sell themselves why I shouldn't go to the gym. They pitch and they close themselves every single day. So we're natural born salespeople. We already know what to do. It's just nobody's channeled that energy into a functional way of, of selling. So for me, really, I, I think all of us, including me, uh, have always been into sales. But there comes a point where you become aware of sales. And so, so when you're aware of it and you're aware of the function and the power of it, then you start to look into it more. Now, for me, you know, my sales career actually started in, in business. I mean, I started my first, first business when I was 11 years old. Um, so I always understood the concept of solving a problem for people because for me it started in the playground at school you know people wanted stuff they couldn't get it so legal stuff of course um, but they wanted stuff they couldn't get it so i'd find a way to get it whether that was sweets chocolates whatever it might be and i sold it and it's always been about solving problems so people i need to understand is that sales starts from a very early early age for me it started at an early age anyway from a transactional perspective then later on, it got me going into the care industry because I'm, I'm actually a nurse for your listeners who don't know. I'm actually a psychiatric nurse. I used to be in the nursing field. And I set my first care home up in 2009 after losing my job in a recession, which wasn't cool, but I'm grateful for it. And, um, and I had to. I had, no, I had no one to fall back on. I had nobody to, to rely on. So I had to sell. I had to go and sell my services as in my care home beds to local authority, which, which was hard. But again... How did I start doing that? By understanding what their problem is and then linking it to, to my solution, you know. So, so I've been selling all my life, if, I, if I'm very honest, but it's one of the most rewarding things um, for me because as, as you put it, you know, people love to buy, they don't like to be sold to. And I'm very grateful that you, you know, your observation of my selling style is classy and elegant because I'm British first and foremost, and we don't like to buy from people. We don't like being sold to. But we do like to buy stuff. We have problems. And I think if you can elegantly help people to buy rather than sell to them, then it's a beautiful experience for both the salesperson and the client. You know, And if you can fall in love with that process, then it never feels like selling. 
Awesome. And what would you say in an era of increasing skepticism towards traditional sales tactics, what yeah. strategies do you believe are most effective for building genuine long-term relationship with customers? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a great question, Christian, because unfortunately the sales industry is tainted with disingenuous strategies which is tricking people and you know using certain language patterns and nlp and stuff and whilst that's relevant and i actually teach people to use it but to do it in a very ethical way unfortunately it doesn't happen a lot you know so the first thing you've got to understand is if you want to build longevity with people is continue to solve problems for them obviously moving forwards once you've sold to them but how do you get the sale in the first place it's by actually demonstrating that you genuinely care about solving their problem and so sometimes people mistake this for being pushy they're like but just I'm, I'm following up with this person i don't want them to think i'm being pushy i don't want them to think i'm chasing them but if you genuinely care you're not being pushy you're being passionate about what you do and how you can help this client and you you, you almost need to care about their result more than them temporarily because you know you've got the solution for it. Because here's what will happen, Christian, and you know you've seen this many times, I've seen it so many times, is if they don't buy from you, they buy from someone else. And, and so you've got to show up, you've got to fix your own mindset first. You, you, can't, you can't think selling's bad, it's not. You know, we've all heard the terms, you know, selling is serving, right? You know, you're serving someone. You've got to believe that. Otherwise, you're just going to feel like you're just being pushy, you're being whatever it might be. I mean, Christian, I bet you've had people before follow up with you. You actually forgot about their offer. They followed up with you and you treated it as a reminder. It was like, oh my God, Jess, thanks for reminding me. I was actually meaning to reach out to you guys. I appreciate you contacting me. Yes, here's my card. Let me buy it. You know, it doesn't come into your head that, oh, you're being pushy. You're chasing me. It's like, I'm, I'm like, thank God for freaking reminding me, man. Like, I forgot. I needed your stuff. Why can't you reach out to people and believe that you're actually reminding them that they have a problem that you can solve. They expressed an interest in that. I'm just, yeah, I'm just checking in to make sure we're, we're on the right page here before we pull the trigger rather than thinking that you're going to be pushy. So it starts from within, I guess is what I'm trying to, in a roundabout way, you know, I, I'm trying to say is it starts from within. For you to be able to, to demonstrate effective sales strategy, it starts from within. What is, what is your current concept around selling? What do, you, what do you see it as? Do you see it as transactional? Or do you see it like the likes of you and me as transformational? Because for me, it's not a transaction. It's a transformation. The client's in a problem and they want to be in a solution or they're in undesired state. They want to be in desired state. And it's our job to help them move forwards with that. So for me, I genuinely feel I'm solving problems for people. I used to hate selling like probably many of your listeners listening to this right now. Maybe they don't like it. But now I love it because I'm, I'm still helping people. You know, you can't take the nurse out of me. The nurse is still there. I'm still helping people, right? So if you change your internal representation of what you think sales are, that will dictate how you show up in everything. So, so whether that's on a call, because you're on the call now because you genuinely care. You're, on, you're meeting someone because you genuinely care. You're following up because you genuinely care because you don't see it as selling. And then any strategy, I'm sure your listeners have been taught or listened to or followed lots of different strategies before. Any strategy you use then will fall into place, right? Because it's... You've changed your perception of it. That's awesome. So there are so many sales training often emphasizes the importance of persistence. And you mentioned how important is the follow-up. When does persistence cross the line into being pushy or intrusive? How do you teach sales team to recognize these boundaries? That's such a powerful, powerful question, Christian. The, the, the thing is you can't train intuition. 
you should really know when you're annoying, annoying someone. Okay. <laughs> but again, you, you've got to you've got to look at it again from a perspective of you know what have I done, what have I not done, and and if you've done everything you can to support this person to make a decision, then there comes a point where it goes from being uh, passionate to needy. And this is very common because you mentioned the word sales teams. It's very common in sales teams to want to hit targets. Now, you own your business, your sales team making sales on your behalf. Sometimes you don't actually know what they're saying or not saying to a client. Now, you're the face of your business. The, the client's got the relationship with Christian, right? So they're like, Christian's lovely, he's amazing, he's awesome, we love his energy, he's such a great guy. And then your salesperson's on the phone being needy and pushy. That now ruins your reputation. Do you see what I mean? So it is very difficult because salespeople are hungry. They want to make commissions. A lot of them are commission-driven and they want to make money. So that, that as the owner, you've got to take ownership of, of leading your team, of, of teaching them when to switch off and when not to switch off. You know, like, you know, Christian, you've known me for many years. There's certain, my, my, my followers and my clients know me for being a certain way. They'll know if my team are being too pushy and too, they're like, this is not Jesson. This is not Jesson doesn't do this. So suddenly I start to look bad, you know, but it's my responsibility to train my team on the culture code. What's the culture of me? Yeah, and, and when to back off and when not to back off, you know. So so, so it's, it's intuition that you've got to use really, but there comes a point where you've got to, again, it comes from in, internal. If you need the sale, you are going to end up repelling the prospect because unconsciously you're going to be pushy. Unconscious, especially month. You see this happen in sales team towards month end, all the all up and down the country. Month end is that? Like, oh my god! Like month end, if we don't get an extra five, ten grand in the bank, like now we're not going to hit our commission target. And now suddenly you're just chasing everyone, chasing everyone, needy, 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 needy. You get the sale over the line. The client feels a little bit rushed and pressured, and now maybe they get buyer's remorse and ask for a refund later. You know, so long term it doesn't work. So. You know, there is no straight answer to, to teach someone to recognize this. It's called intuition. And you've got to be in tune with, you know, am I being pushy here or am I being passionate? If you could just ask yourself that question and reflect. And then what evidence have you got to support? Are you being pushy or passionate? Well, if you've called the client 24 times today and left loads of answers, good messages, then yeah, okay, I think it's safe to say you're being a bit too needy, yeah? But if you've only tried them maybe once or twice or whatever, then... And maybe there's a genuine expiry date on the quote or whatever it is, then then okay, maybe try them a few more times because you genuinely care for them. The guy comes back to care, genuinely care, want to help you. The offer's expiring tomorrow. I've left you a couple of messages. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to sleep tonight if I didn't at least try you a few more times. And you let the client know that, you know. But let's say you do get a client who's or prospect, should I say, Christian, who who thinks mm -hmm. you're being pushy or thinks you're being, you know, um, you're chasing them. Or whatever, because you you know this in sales, you ring people and they're like, oh, you know, I told you I'm busy. Like, why are you ringing me? That like, all this kind of stuff. So you've got to be good with yourself, as in your own self worth, to be able to have a sensible conversation with that person and say, like, you know, I'm so sorry. If I were you, I'd feel I was being pushy too. Um, and here's the thing: whenever I've not followed up with people who I know we can help. I end up losing sleep over it because I, I know I've not done my job and I, I want to be able to sleep tonight. So you are welcome to slam the phone down on me if you want, but I care about you enough just to remind you that I'm still here and we had a conversation about working together and I'm really sorry I've intruded on your day, but could we have a conversation? Suddenly the prospect is like, he's actually a nice guy. Maybe I've, I'm having a bad day. I shouldn't take it out on him, right? So, but again, you can't train that into people. It's called intuition. There's no script that can give you that. 
So I think if a lot of sales uh, business owners train their sales team on, on intuition, emotional intelligence, mindset, self-worth, all that kind of stuff, then they'll be much better at deploying the strategies, you know. So I know it's not a straightforward answer, Christian, but what I'm trying to say is, is I, I don't think you can teach intuition to people. They just need to use it and know when the boundaries are. You know, you also need to know when you haven't been pushy too, because if, if, you know, these prospects lie to you, they just make up all kinds of excuses to get off the phone. So, so you've got to be, you've got to be able to judge yourself of when you have mm -hmm. been pushy and when you haven't. That's actually such a great answer. Because it undercover another skills that is not just selling, but I mean, obviously, selling is a vehicle. But in that process, there yeah. are so many skills involved. Some argue that the concept of always be closing might be outdated in today's market. How do you see the evolution of the closing processes in modern sales? Yeah. Um, well, one thing that's definitely shifted, and we've noticed this a lot over the last few years. Um, probably probably more apparent over the last 24 months is the whole one call close concept yeah it's changed because buying behavior has changed you know people people say that um, people don't have money it's not true people still have money they're just being a bit more wary about where they deploy it so whether that's a b2c offer or b2b offer they're just being wary of where they, where do i spend my money where do, who do i give my money to right now so things have changed so my understanding of always be closing is always be closing the prospect on the next logical step. What is the next logical step? Yeah. So you might get excited and have a hot lead. Let's be honest. What, what do all sales, any salespeople watching this right now, any salesperson wants, they just want this. They want a great lead and a great product. You give any salesperson those two things, it's Christmas come early for them. They're happy. Yeah. But they've also got to drop this one call close thing because it doesn't work the way it used to, in my opinion. There are some people who are going to go, well, I do it all the time. I'm really happy for you. Show me how to do it. Yeah, so, so, but think about it. If you're pushy and you're persistent and you're trying to close them on that first call, then you're not building that relationship, especially for high ticket. Think about it, Christian. If you're going to give someone high ticket, when we say high ticket, it could be anything above £2,000. Like, talk to me a bit. Give me some space. Let me make an informed choice about doing this or not. Because if you've done the right job in your qualification process of this lead that you're talking to, then they're not, they're serious, right? They're not going to run away. They're not going to, they're not just wasting your time. If you're talking to tire kickers and time wasters, that's your fault for actually allowing them to slip through the net in the first place. But if you've got a serious buyer, then why are you chasing them all the time trying to close them on this thing? So you've got to close them on the next logical step. Let me give you a perfect example of this. I was sitting with a client, a prospect actually, two weeks ago. And they were interested in buying one of our high ticket offers. This, this is a guy whose business does 22 million a year, right? Pounds, okay? He's a serious player. He was even saying to me, Jess, you know what? The other day someone was trying to sell me their mastermind and... Uh, I, exp I filled out an expression of interest. Uh, I told him, look, I'm, I'm traveling. Just give me a couple of weeks, then give me a call. He said the next day, the sales lady was ringing him, ringing him, ringing him, ringing him. He thought something was wrong, so he rang them back. She said, no, I'm just following up your expression of interest. And, this, da, 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 da. and he was like, but I, I told you I'm in. I'm not, I'm, I'm in. I just give me a couple of weeks, I'm traveling. And she's just carried on calling him. And you know what he did? In, I'm guessing you know where this story is going, Christian. What did he do in the end? Listen, I don't think it's for me. Right? And then he's sitting with me saying, like, I really like what you're offering. He said, Jess, in fact, your offer that you just made to me, I was thinking, would it be great if Jesson could solve this problem for me? And it's like magic you've presented this opportunity to me. 
and, and it's not cheap. It's thirty thousand pounds plus VAT. And he said, "This is this is exactly what I was looking for." Da 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 da. da. Um, and and I'd love to work with you. I want to do it. Just give me a, give me a few days because I need I need you. I, I can't pay like this. I need you to invoice my account department. Need to do this. Need to do blah blah whatever it might be. He said, "Here's a thousand pounds deposit to show you I'm not messing about." Blah blah blah. We just gave him his breathing space. And with literally the next day, he actually approached my accounts department. He asked us for invoices. We sent it over to him. He transferred the remaining 35 grand back into our account literally the same day, all because we didn't pressure him. Yeah, But you've always got to close the person on the next logical step. Who are you talking to? Who's your prospect? If there's someone who's serious, whatever it might be, you're not going to run anywhere then fine, close them on the next logical step. They need to speak to their partner, close them on the next logical step, which is to jump on a call the next day or whatever it might be, or close them on speaking to their partner, especially men. Men put it off. <laughs> so so it's, it's my understanding of always be closing is, is always be closing them on the next logical step. And again, use intuition. When is the right time to ask for the money? You know, because it's changed. It has, it has changed. People are still buying but it's not as uh, you know it's not as easy as it used to be mm -hmm. let's put it that way yeah and it makes sense because the market keep their sophistications up and up and up in an increasing crowded increasingly crowded marketplace differentiation today is key so how do you advise sales mm. professionals to distinguish themselves and the offering in a way that resonates with customers without resorting to be aggressive or to use any aggressive tactics yeah that's that's a great question. So the the problem is this, Christian, unless you're like in like some micro niche that nobody else does, the, the chances are there's probably a lot of people out there doing what you do. So it's like if you said to a prospect right now, you know, to to look for a solicitor, it's like they open the yellow pages. It's like, who do I choose? <laughs> who do I choose? So it's hard. It's getting harder to to differentiate yourself and say why I'm better than so and so okay like I'm not the only sales trainer in the world I'm not the only public speaker in the world okay the only way for me to really get someone to see whether Jesson's different or, or or to everybody else is for you to actually experience my product or service but you haven't bought it yet so it's hard so so one thing that you got to look at is okay well, what's your message what is your what is your actual message that's bringing people in in the first place and, and have them be attracted to your energy, like of your company, whether that's your company, your ethos, your values, your energy, your vibe, whatever it might be. You've got, you need something to get them at least interested to start off with, which will hopefully have them book a call or attend one of your sales presentations or whatever it might be. Now, in order for you to, to, to be different when you're not different, and what I mean by that is like, let's say sales training. There's so many people teaching sales out there, okay? How do you be different when everyone's promising you to close more deals? How, how can you, okay? You can't just say, well, my, my system's better or my methodology's better or my way of doing it's better. It's not enough because everyone's saying the same bloody thing. So instead of trying to prove why you're different, help the client to buy differently. And what I mean by that is, let's look at how um, learning occurs, okay? For someone to learn something new, a teacher needs to take an unknown concept and link it to something that you already know for, for learning to occur. We do this in conversation sometimes when you're explaining something to someone, they don't get you. And then you go, it's a bit like waiting for a bus. Or it's a bit, and they go, oh, now I get it, okay? So for learning to occur, you take unknown and you link it to 
um, something that they know. Okay, so if the teacher's saying to the little Billy in school, Billy, what's 10 minus 3? And Billy's like, I don't, don't know, I don't know idea. Okay, Billy, if you had 10 jelly beans and you eat three of those jelly beans, what happens? Billy goes, I've got seven left. There you go. So the teacher took unknown maths equation and linked it to jelly beans that Billy knows, and suddenly learning occurs. In sales, it's the other way around. You have to take the known and link it to the unknown. What do I mean by that? When you're presenting your solution or whatever it is to your client, you need to leave the solution behind to start off with. And you need to link the known problems. So talk about the problems that they're going through right now. Link the, what they already know, which is the problem, to the unknown, which is your solution. So in selling it up is the other way around. I hope this is making sense. In, in, in learning, you take the known, you link it to the unknown. Sorry, you take, so you take the unknown, you link it to the known. And in selling, it's the other way around. You take what they already know, which is the problem, and then you connect that problem to your product or your service. And now they can see how this problem disappears by engaging in this product or service, rather than you telling them how wonderful your product or service is and you know benefits and you're going to get this and you're going to get that. Because Christian, people can't resonate with the benefits because they've never experienced it before. What can they resonate with? Problems. What are you going for? They, can, they, they know exactly what it feels like to be broke. They know exactly what it feels like to be stressed. They know exactly what it feels like to be burnt out. Some of these people you're talking to have no clue what it's like to be wealthy, to be rich, to be happy, to be stress-free. They're like, sounds like a freaking Disney movie. Sounds incredible. Yeah, that's what it is. So take what they already know, which is problem. Take that problem, link it to the solution. That will help them to buy differently, which will make you appear different when you're not. Yeah, absolutely. I love the analogy. It makes a lot of sense. <laughs> That's great. Okay, and thank you. how do you protect intellectual property in this area where everybody, especially with AI now, they can grab everything mm. that you built for ages and then just, you know, repurpose it in a different way. And now they have the same product as everybody else. Yeah. Yeah, um, well, it's been happening for years, dude. Like, I mean, Tony Robbins did it to Maslow. You know, so it's like, you know, it, it, you can't, I guess what I'm trying to say is you, you stress yourself out worrying about this stuff, all right? You can have the best trademark in the world, the best, you know, the legislation in the world, the best this, the best that, wherever it might be. Like you said, with AI, with, how can you possibly police all of this stuff? So you actually spend so much time and energy trying to police it rather than being innovative instead, okay? So I guess there's a good in everything. It just keeps you on your toes. So there's a level of acceptance, an occupational hazard, if you want to call it that, that comes along with having IP. You know, someone's always going to copy you. And even, even if you don't have IP, even if you just have a business model that's working, someone out there is going to say, oh, that's working. Let me do some of that. We do it as marketers and salespeople. We go, right, what's that strategy? Oh, that, that's working. Let's model it. We don't use the word copy, right? <laughs> Let's model that. Yeah. So it's an occupational hazard. And if anything, like, you know, just treat it as a, a compliment when people copy you. Um, obviously, if it's a blatant copy of your intellectual property, then, of, of course, if you, if you trademarked it, that's fine. You obviously, you know, send, send them a cease and desist or whatever it might be. But it's an occupational hazard. Treat it as a compliment. And treat it as something that will keep you on your toes and keep you innovative, you know. But, but build your brand to the point where they could get it from somewhere else and they could go and 
take it from that person cheaper down the road, but they'd rather stick with you because of who you are, your personality, your character, and all that kind of stuff. Do you see what I mean? So it's difficult, Christian. Like there's so much technology evolving nowadays. You know, my team right now are creating my my voice. <laughs> on stuff to send to dms to people i'm like i didn't say that no, but AI hey, did <laughs> so it's like you know so how can you you can't you can't fight it you've got to embrace it you have to you have to you, you'll pull your hair out for nothing so justin you are an amazing public speaker how someone can use public speaking to position themselves in the market and create that position where even if they can buy from other people they decide to work with them that's 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 awesome so the, the, the thing is when you're a public speaker even if you're not a public speaker, because some people think, well, I've not been trained. You don't need to be trained to be a public speaker. Just, just talking to a stranger in the street makes you a public speaker. You're speaking in public, right? So when you're in front of an audience, whether that's on a Zoom, on a podcast, in a live audience, whatever it might be, you already have perceived credibility, perceived authority. Um, you know, think about it. You know, when, when someone puts you on stage in front of an audience... The audience automatically assume, well, he must know something, otherwise he wouldn't be up there, right? So it's your job to keep that respect now because <laughs> you've already got it. And that's where obviously learning how to speak is important. But you've already got perceived authority. And when you have perceived authority, people will typically listen to people who are in authority. You know, it just changes their perception of you because at the end of the day, perception is reality. So as a public speaker, the perception is, is you must be important. You've got something valuable to say. You're clearly influential. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on a platform, whether that's a webinar or whatever it might be. Um, so I, I should, maybe I should listen to you. And that person will win more sales than the person running around doing lots of one-to-one -one meetings and calls purely based on perception because of the authority status. And, and that's it. And that's what happens. People, it just changes things. I mean, you were with me years ago when we did the, the Troxy Theatre, the Gary Vee event, right? Like, I, that was one of my first big gigs. Nobody really knew who I was, but my, my, I mean, for me, it was a proud moment. My face was on the front of the Troxy Theatre, happy days, but nobody knew who I was. So I was mixing in the audience before I went on stage and I was sitting down with people and watching the other speakers on stage and this and that. Nobody knew who I was. Then out of, a, out, out of the blue, I was on the stage and then people were going, that was the guy who was sitting next to us. <laughs> but then what happened to their level of respect for me? straight away went up straight away in a heartbeat why perception is reality their perception is he's on a platform he must be important so so if you can learn anything from that is is learn how to elevate your perception or perceived authority in your prospect's mind which is by being on a platform you know so even salespeople, you know you should be putting out you should be branding yourself right now putting yourself out there putting content out there you know you almost want to feel like when someone jumps on a call with you it's almost like wow i'm getting to speak to you you know because it's perception shift it's like if someone got the opportunity to speak to tony robbins right now on a sales call they, they wouldn't cancel um, they would make sure they show up <laughs> they'd be early not on time they wouldn't have any connection issues. Yeah, they wouldn't lose the link. They wouldn't, like, <laughs> everything would be fine. Again, why? Perception. So why can't you train people to perceive you as an authority? And using public speaking, like I say, you don't need a stage for this. You could do Facebook Lives, Instagram Lives. You could do anything. Just, just, just by showing up one to many, 
the perception shifts. And I think you don't need to be a trained speaker to do that. You just need to have enough self-awareness and self-worth to just jump on a mic and just speak, you know. So, um, so yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing also your personal experience. So you recently launched Pleasure. a new platform. Can you please tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, well, it's kind of, they say when one door closes, another one opens. Okay, So, you know, you, you'll know this because we've worked quite closely together. You know, I, I announced earlier this year that I was retiring from training people. When I say training people, doing workshops and things like that. Now, people thought it was a fake retirement. They thought it's a marketing ploy or whatever it might be. But no, it's true. You know, I'm running my last public speaking workshop in February um, next year. I've had to put on an extra one because we had some extra people to, to, to go through. But that's it. I won't be doing small workshops, intimate workshops. I mean, I'm not doing it at all. I'm focusing my energies on other things, my um, other business products, but also for taking my speaking career to a different level, more keynote gigs, you know, media appearances. More, more. I still love speaking, obviously, so I'm, I'm going to do it in a different platform. But then people still wanted to learn from me. Now, I teach an array of things, but over my years in the training industry, there's one thing that has been very, very common, and that is people learning how to make more money and save more money. They, they, these are the two resounding things that pop up. How they do that, whether that's public speaking, sales, coaching, whatever is irrelevant, it all, it's all chunked up to making money. So when I look back at it and I looked at all my trainings and my content, all of it is linked to somehow increasing your income, you know, like this, this, this podcast, Super Fast Income. It's all linked to income. However, what people need to understand is, is you know, for example, this podcast is called Super Fast Income. For some people, they might think it's, you know, get rich quick overnight. That's not what it's all about. It's about accelerating wealth, you know, getting there quicker, you know. So, so how do we get there quicker? By consuming knowledge. But for many people, they won't be able to access that knowledge anymore because I'm not teaching it personally. So rather than try to market public speaking as a course and then sales training as a course, which we have the coach training as a course, you know, personal development as a course, we've got all these different ways of people making money, book writing, all this kind of stuff. For me, you're a marketer. That's a logistical nightmare because that's like funnel after funnel after campaign after, Jesus Christ, you know, I've got to pull my hair out. So I thought, why don't I centralize everything with one topic, which is money, and inside of there, People, based on their personality profile, because we're putting a nice little personality profile check in there now where people can, they, they can see what kind of person you are and it will tell you what to study, what not to study within the platform. So it will say, like, if you're a very shy person, it will say, well, don't study public speaking, go learn trading instead or whatever. So we, we put everything into one platform, chunked up under the concept of making money. And inside of the platform, they will find topics from, you know, sales training to public speaker training to how to write a book to to how to run a business to how to become a virtual assistant to how to sell on Facebook marketplace to how to set up an Amazon business so many different things property the whole lot um, but it's based on what you want but it revolves around that concept of making money so so we launched it as a, a relaunch of one of my existing membership sites and we called it make money university which is a centralized platform for you to learn everything from ma making money to managing it, from debt management, the, the whole lot. So it's a financial education platform, basically. It's not expensive. It's not cheap either. And the reason we put it that way is because it's a place for us to support people to, to get started on their, their money journey. It's like £49 a month. 
we have a very strong affiliate program, which basically means they get 50% of anyone they bring into the pipeline. And I, you know, Christian, you know me, I like to be direct with people. I just say to them, if you can't make your membership back in the first two weeks, then making money is not for you. Okay. So, <laughs> and because I don't do guarantees, I don't do money back guarantees. I don't do free trials, you know, come and try it for free and see if you like it. No, it's 49 quid. Some of you spend more of that on a night out. Some of you spend more of that on a takeaway. Some of you spend that freaking on your subscriptions to Sky TV or whatever it is, blah, 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 blah. There's a platform here with freaking 12 to 15 different ways of making money. And one of the fastest ways to make money is to become a Make Money University affiliate, which you can do tomorrow. Yeah, I've got, give this person a link. They sign up. You've got your own account. You get your commissions paid to you. It's the easiest way for you to make money. And if you can't even do that, then making money is not for you. So that's why... It's, it's, that's why I just say that to people. So it, it, I put it at that price point because I didn't want people to just join for nine ninety nine a month and then cancel tomorrow and then or complain it's not working or whatever it might be. Forty nine pound a month is not a lot, but it's not just the content that you're getting; it's the community that you're getting. You know, you you, you get access to our Make Money community. We've got a Telegram broadcast group as well where I post, you know, um, you know, money alerts. I call them, you know, like whether that's savings, you know whether that's uh, property deals, op opportunities and stuff. I just post it to our community. If you want to take it, take it. If there's a great rate coming out on a mortgage, I'll post it in there for you. Like there's, there's the community aspect. And then there's being part of our community as well gives you access to our Make Money Live summits that we run every year. So it's like you're buying into a community of people who all we do is talk about money. All we do is talk about using it, deploying it, saving it, investing it. And if you hang around people who are talking about the same thing long enough, then you become a product of that, right? So your membership might not pay off in month one, month two, month three, month four. But if, who else are you hanging around right now? You're probably hanging around people who are not talking about money. And if they are, they're talking about saving it or how broke they are. So it's like you're not going to win, right? So, um, so that's, that's why I put all of my trainings into there. People have options if they want to upgrade to, to do more advanced public speaking they can do the more advanced public speaking online if they want to and we can you know we can track people's behavior i'm just being honest if anyone's listening to this and you, you decide to join i'll be watching you because we can see what you're studying so i can log in and see like christian you're spending a lot of time watching the sales training seems like you enjoy sales training um, would you like to actually um, take our CPD approved sales training course and get certified in sales? And then you can actually take that qualification and stick it on your, C on your CV because then we can upgrade you for like a fraction. It's pennies. It's not even a lot to upgrade you to the full-blown courses, an exam to sit, all that kind of stuff. So we can, we can help people properly by tracking their behavior where they're spending their most time. You know, We can also track you if you're just watching everything and not doing anything. And then help you get focused. So the team will ring you up and have a little focus call with you and, and see where you're at. You know, so so it's it's just a way for me to reach more people without having to to obviously do 24 different funnels, but also <laughs> to to support more people without it breaking the bank as well. You know, because um, I don't want people to 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 not benefit from my knowledge. I, I you know I do. I, it is a shame that I'm not teaching live anymore, but it doesn't mean they can't still access what's in my head. You know, so so yeah, make money university is. Uh, is a, is, a, is a little project of ours. Where we're, we're I love it. I love now. it. It's a way to give back, right? And to keep connected with people and give the opportunity to everybody to access yes. to this transformational information. So how can people Absolutely. stay in touch with you or what you have on your calendar? What's next? <laughs> Calendar-wise, you know, like I said, I don't have any events in the diary. If anything, 
it's probably better you connect with me on socials. You know, I'm, I'm very, very active on, on Instagram. So at Jess and James underscore official. Same, yeah, at Jess and James uh, official for Facebook, on LinkedIn. If you just search for Jess and James, you'll find me across all the platforms, you know, anyway. You know, you can you can see my podcast on, on uh, you know, on, on Spotify, iTunes, where it might be the Mind Over Money podcast. I have a new podcast coming out soon as well, which which would be cool. But if you just, just follow me, Jess and James, you know, um, you'll, you'll connect with me. Get to know me first. I, I, sometimes people, you know, they, they just want to offer you stuff and sell you stuff. Just get to know me. You'll see. Just follow me on my socials. You'll, get to, you'll feel my vibe. You'll feel my energy. You'll feel what kind of person I am. And if there's anything going on that you might be interested in, whether that's to you know come to Make Money University or or you know hear me speak somewhere whatever it might be then then that will all be announced on my socials anyway so you can always connect with me. Justin, thank you so much so much for your time for your valuable information. I see you soon, my friend. My pleasure. Thank you so Take much care. for having me. Bye I appreciate bye. it.